Um, no, it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, my, my greatest joy is always and forever to declare what I feel like God has revealed to me. It'll always be the most exciting thing for me um, because I just get to declare truth. I get to declare what God has revealed to me in my life. And, I, and, then, and then as I'm declaring it to you and I pray that it's ministering to you, it's ministering to me, <laughs> right? Like I get to be re-encouraged in my own walk every time I preach. And so that's always exciting for me. Um, I know, I know uh, you guys are getting ready to launch into this series. Um, I, technically, I think this is the first week. I'm, I'm stealing the first week. It's uh, Love Unveiled. And, um, uh, you know, me and Mike didn't, like, share notes on what the next few weeks are going to be about. He kind of shared, like, what an idea of it is. But I, I just really want I want to take this morning to really dive into making sure that we're firmly rooted in, in God's love and what that means for us. Because as we begin to talk about what we're supposed to do with that, we need to make sure that we're secure in it. Because a lot of times what happens in Christian circles, and this is where we start to you know, get into like believers that we feel are very hypocritical. How many of us know Christians like that, right? Sometimes if we're not careful, we're like that. I know I've been like that at one point in another in my life, and I've breaks my heart, but um, a lot of times that comes out of not, not knowing exactly where you are in God's love, and you start to operate out of something that you're not currently secure in, and that creates, there's, a, there's now a divide between what you're living for and where you're at, right? One of my favorite scriptures, we just had a chance to go over to our friend's house here last night for dinner, and they had this verse of the week, which apparently was verse of, verse of two years. <laughs> and, and there's probably different reasons why it's been the first two years of that, but I just took it as a prophetic thing. That's a, that is a good enough verse for even two years, and it's, and it's out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And um, I'm, I'm really bad with notes and stuff, Alec was asking me if I had like main topics and notes, and I said I do but don't put them up there because sometimes I do things out of order. You know, I just kind of like let God move, in, at least the way I understand it. So I don't want to mess him up. He's like trying to find which scripture I'm on, and I'm like jumping out of place, and he's frustrated. So um, I'll just kind of communicate some of the scriptures, and you guys feel free to take notes, write them down. Um, but 2 Corinthians, you can read chapter 5, verse 16, all the way through 21, okay? And it goes into this idea that when we are in Christ, we become a new creation. The old has passed away, it says, and the new has come, okay? And then it goes on to say something in verse 21. There's a whole set of scriptures in there you can read. But then in verse 21, this one, that blows my mind, but then verse 21 blows my mind. It says, he, talking about Jesus, he that knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. And this is the radical message of the gospel, that God became what you were so that you can become what he is. That's the gospel. The gospel is not come to church, learn how to sin less, you know, live a little better life, put some money in the offering basket, and you're good. You're going to punch your ticket to heaven. That is not the purpose of the gospel. If that was the purpose of the gospel, as soon as you accepted Jesus, he would just take you home. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has come Near. When he taught his people to pray, he said, Lord, let your kingdom come. Not let me come to your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Hallelujah. Jesus, God so loved the world 
that he sent his one and only son. Hallelujah. There is a love unimaginable, a place in the heart of God that is so hard for us to fathom. We are, we are born into a society, into a system that teaches you, you have to earn everything. And listen, on a practical level, I completely agree with it. It is such a good life lesson for all of our young people to know nothing comes for free except the gospel. <laughs> that's the only thing. That's, that's, and this is why it's so hard for people to really grasp the gospel message and why so many people come to church and sit in pews for 20 years and are never really changed into something. Because there's something that's difficult for, for us to understand in this, that God so loved us that he was not willing to leave us where we are, but he wanted to change us into something. Hallelujah. Jesus came to take away your sin. But it, it's not like, sometimes we do this thing where it's like, and, and, and it all has some truth in it. So I'm not trying to, I'm not, don't, don't take me as being judgmental. I'm just, I want to try to highlight certain points of things that are, that are missing the mark in my opinion, okay? We'll say things like, well, you know, when Jesus sees, when God sees me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. What you're saying is that you are bad. There's nothing good of you. You are completely bad. But that's true because, right, you were in sin, right, and you had to get saved from it. But then the Bible says that if you're in Christ, that old ugly thing that was completely bad becomes new. In him becomes new. And it's being powered and energized by Jesus through his spirit living on the inside of you. And that, that now is good. Not because you're good, but because what he made in you is good. Hallelujah. So then, now you have to actually start living for something. Like, if you, if you happen, I, I don't know how, some of you are probably super new to church. Some of you have been going to church for longer than I've been alive. Um, one of the biggest issues that people in ministry, pastors, leaders, missionaries, we struggle with is, is that scripture that says the harvest is plentiful. And how many people have heard that scripture? Yeah. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Because so many people don't understand that coming to Jesus means that he's coming to change you into something. We're not meant to come and just receive from God. You will receive from God. He's such a good God. He li I, I, the Holy Spirit told me to wear this shirt this morning, by the way. I don't like being up in front of people preaching in a t-shirt. Just because I feel like, you know, it's like a more respectful thing to have some kind of a collared shirt on, right? That's my normal thought. And I was getting ready this morning, and I just felt, literally, I was getting ready to go grab my, I was looking through which collar shirt I was going to wear, and I just felt God say, put this shirt on. Because this is who he is. He lives generously, right? So we know we can expect to receive from God, but that can't be why we come to him. We need to come to him because we realize he can change us into something. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Just Bear with me for a second. This is a Holy Spirit pause. I don't actually know. I'm just joking. I'm going to believe it. <laughs> um, 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I'll start at verse 17. And this is, the, this, is, this is the real Bible. This is the King James Bible. I'm just kidding. Don't be offended. I'm just joking. Unless you really think that, then yeah. <laughs> All right. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of, the, of their mind, having the, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ that ye put off concerning the former conversation, verse 22, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man. We gotta... We gotta we got a biggie rolling around. <laughs> Hi, buddy. You want to preach? Come on up. Come on up. I thought it was like a little mouse or something. Sorry, other thing. <laughs> okay. This scripture here says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. We all need to be very careful of this scripture. We all need to realize that there are areas in our life where we've put on blinders to something, okay? And, I'm, and listen, it might be sin. It might be inherent, like straight up sin that you need to get out and you need to repent and drop it. And, not, and listen, I love repentance. Repentance should be a daily thing for a believer, okay? It's not something where it's like just the sinners, you know, that are new to the church need to come up and repent. It's this, listen. We all need to be walking in repentance, okay? It's a lifestyle that we live. It's not like a thing you do to, like, be accepted by God. It's, it's, it's something that we do to live for Jesus in honor of what we recognize he did for us, right? A lot of the reason why we're not living in a way that's pleasing to God is because we actually don't understand, really understand what he did for us. That's why we can, that's why there's some people, and listen, I'm, I say this with so much sensitivity in my heart. There's some people who when that song came on, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered, can't sing it. And that might be you and that's okay. Now, when I say it's okay, it doesn't mean you're supposed to stay there. I just mean there's no judgment. Like there, there's so much, God has so much love for you, it's not even funny. But it's, there, the reason you feel that is because there is a blinder on your life right now that's keeping you from understanding the truth. That God loves you and he's for you and he's against you and he's, he's, he's never against you. He's always for you. No matter what it looks like. There's a song that I love. It says, in, in one, of the, one of the verses it says, um, even when I don't see it, you're moving. Right? Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. You never stop. You never stop moving. Right? And, and what it's saying is, I don't have to feel it or understand it to know that God is moving. I mean, listen, it's really nice when we can feel it and we can know it. And we, uh, there are times where that happens and praise God for it. You know, it gives you, you know, tingles down your, your arm and all, that, you know, all the good fuzzy feelings that we love in Jesus. But that's not, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes if we're not careful, we start to let experience speak louder than truth. 
If we're not careful, we start to let what's happened in our life speak louder than what he's speaking over you. There's a word that God is speaking over you, and you need to make sure that's the loudest voice in your life. And this is why it's the walk of faith, because the enemy is coming behind. Oh, yeah, is it, but is that really true? Right, yeah, okay, you're just trying to fake it till you make it. There's nothing really there. Right? This, I mean, can somebody please, this is happens, right? I mean, listen, when, when in Zambia, when we have somebody come to faith and put their life in Jesus, I immediately pulled them aside and I said, I said here's the thing. You're going to go home and all your friends, all your family, all the people you used to do the things that you no longer want to do are going to start talking to you as if whatever happened isn't real. And even you're going to start to wonder. The devil is going to come and find you in a moment and he's going to start to speak to you as if what you're believing isn't true. And you have to know that you know that you know that the work of God was a miracle, miraculous thing done in your life. And you got to stand on that. And you got to fight for that. And you got to make that a foundation that you're never going to walk away from. Hallelujah. And when you start to do that, and here's my encouragement, and some of you are already doing that more than me, and some of you are learning on this journey and all this kind of stuff, and there's, there's a whole spectrum of people in this room. Wherever you're at, the more you start to do that, I promise you, you're going to see things in your life. You're gonna st you're, the blinders of your heart are going to start to fade away, and you're going to start to see truth for what it is. Hallelujah. And that's the place that God wants us to call us into. I want to just make sure I get my phone out. I, you know, I, I heard there's a joke with Pastor Mike that he, uh, he doesn't, he goes, he, he goes pretty long. And, uh, and, and I got to be careful because I'm, I'm, I'm an African preacher. And so there's no, we don't, we don't even worry about time. You just show up and then we just finish whatever we finish. Church services there are like four hours long. So, you know, lunch, whatever, we'll eat it, whatever, you know, it's fine. I know you guys aren't that way, and there's a second service, so I, I'm like, I just got to look at the time and honor it, but um, God, God has come, God came to give you a new life, and you don't have to earn it, all you have to do is surrender to it, that's the beauty of the gospel, that's the beauty of the gospel, God took me out of a pit of darkness and shame and sin. Listen, I didn't, I'm not a church kid. I didn't grow up in the church. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like a pastor's kid. I'm not a missions kid. I don't have a theology degree. Like, like I'm, it, no matter, you might be putting some kind of labels on me by looking at me, and I just want you to know, I was lost in the pit of sin. I mean, I could tell you stuff, and you wouldn't believe me by looking at me. Kelly, when we first got married, <laughs> she heard my testimony and met my family and everything, and she was like, I don't know how you turned out the way you turned out. <laughs> and it's Jesus. And that's, I, don't, I don't mean that in some funny way. I mean that literally. Like, like when you give yourself over to him, everything changes. I remember I had a friend when I was really pursuing my faith and I was early on in my walk, there was this younger guy that I was like, I don't want to say discipling, but I was like just encouraging him and we were walking together and he was learning from me a little bit. And he got around my younger brother and I remember he said to my, we're in the kitchen and he said to my younger brother, he goes, um, he goes, yeah, you know, your brother has chosen this amazing 
life to live for God. And it's, you know, it's not as fun, but it's, it's, it's good. And I stopped and I said, bro, I don't know what kind of junk you're talking. I have never been more joyful and had more excitement and exhilaration in my life than when I started to live for him. I mean, I moved to the bush of Africa. Like, I was just sharing pictures and stuff of, like, killing, like, snakes taller than me and, like, all this crazy stuff. Like, I, I live a wild life that I would have never lived. Like, I'm so thankful. And I mean this in the most, please understand my heart when I say, like, sometimes I say things, but I, don't, I just understand my heart when I say them, right? Like, I am so thankful I don't live your life. I'm so thankful I don't live a nine to five and just go to work, wake up every day, rinse, repeat, go to Starbucks, go to my job, sit in front of my computer, do my thing, come home, watch TV, put the kids down. I'm so thankful that's not my life. I'm so thankful I get to travel the globe and see different people groups and eat crazy food and lay hands on people and do all the ministry and see. I'm so thankful for that life. And does it come with some chaos and bad roads and sleepless nights and kids getting diseases you have known nothing about? Like, they're just breaking out and, like, rashes all over their body, and you're like, they're going to die. That happens. And I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wake up every day full of purpose and full of life. And I'm not saying this to, like, look at me. Look, I'm just saying that's what happens. That's what happened when I gave my life to Jesus. I used to be, I used to shake when, I remember, I remember in college, my freshman year in a community college, we had to do public speaking. I remember I got up there with my paper and I was like trembling. You could hear the paper shaking. I was like dripping. My face is red. Like it was bad. Speaking in front of people, I, I was a restaurant manager for a while and you had to get up at, a, at like a monthly meeting and like share about the new promotions and, and I was so nervous standing in front of everybody like talking. Now? I could, I'm like so free to speak, however. Why? Because gee, I, I honestly tried to live my life and give my life over to Christ, and he changed something on the inside of me. He rewired something on the inside of me. The outside looks the same, but the whole inside's been gutted. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's available to everyone. That's not just for the missionary. That's not just for the pastor. That's just not for the people who serve. That's for everybody. There's a scripture in Ephesians. You might have heard it if you've been, if you've been going to church for a while. Um, it says, and God gave first the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, right? Might have, might have been order there, but those are the five. For what? For, to do the ministry? They're the ones who are supposed to do the ministry? That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Meaning, the whole point of our ministry is to stir up something on the inside of you so you'll go out and make a difference. Hallelujah. But here's what happens. In, in, in a society that's, that's racked with depression and anxiety and, and worry and, and fear, we hear this and what do we do? We immediately look to ourselves. Well, I feel God, I feel God stirring something on the inside. I'm supposed to step out, I'm supposed to do something, but am I smart enough? Have I been going to church long enough? Do I have enough money? Um, you know, uh, you know I, me, I have too much depression, anxiety, I have too much fear, like I'm not good with people. Whatever, whatever, whatever thing that kind of comes to the surface, that's the greatest challenge that stands before, before us and what the thing that God has us to do. 
And in that moment, and this is where I'm going back to, we have to make sure we know who we are and whose we are. Because in that moment, it's not about you. When you feel that, like, no way I can do it, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Because in that moment, now you got to look to Jesus. Now you got to put everything that you have in him. God, this is of you. I'm going to trust you. It's not about me. I may fail, but you will not. What happened when he called Moses? He called Moses. What did Moses do? Hmm? This guy? Right? But what did he say? Take what you have. Go with you. I'll be with you. Take the staff in your hand. Go. Was it some, was it because Moses was so amazing that he had so much power and anointing that he could like drop? He didn't know what he was doing. He had no idea when he dropped that it was going to turn into a snake. He had no idea. He just went. It wasn't him that did it. It was God that did it when he stepped out by faith. Hallelujah. When Kelly and I took on what we took on in, in, uh, in Zambia, when we launched, there was no, there is no reason we should have did what we did. Zero. I already told you. Pastor's kid, nope. Mission's kid, nope. Grew up in the church, nope. Theology degree, nope. Led, led any real ministry, not really, nope. Uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a certified builder, I'm not a certified mechanic. I mean, pick, what, what else is there that you want me to choose from of reasons why I shouldn't go out and launch an entire ministry? But if it was put before me, I'm just going to believe God is going to provide enough. Right? I heard, I was just, just in Tennessee before we came here. I was at a men's group. And this, this Korean guy said the coolest thing. And I love it. And I love taking things from people when they say stuff and just putting it in my, you know, because it's my repertoire. It's like, it's my tool belt now, you know. He said, he said, God told me I'm supposed to walk as if it depends on me, but live knowing it depends on him. And I was like, come on, somebody. <laughs> right? Because, because there is a demand on you. But the demand on you is to walk knowing that he's going to do it. Right? So were there things that I had to learn along the way? Of course. I had to learn how to build a roof. I had to learn how to pour concrete or build a bridge or all this stuff. I had to go, and thankfully, I live in a generation with YouTube. Oh, praise God. First time in my life I said, praise God for YouTube. My car broke down. What do I do? YouTube. <laughs> well, first, drive six hours, catch a ride for six, whatever you got to do to get to where the internet is, YouTube video, come back, test it out, Holy Spirit, just, I pray this is the right video. But it was the whole time believing it was going to work, right? It wasn't like, oh, I, until I learn enough, I can't go. I'm not saying there's not a beauty in preparing, like, right? Like, don't take it wrong. I'm not trying to, like, everything in, in the kingdom has to be balanced. It has to be, but it's got to be faith. It can't be, it can't remove faith. It can't, sometimes your talents and your abilities are getting in the way of God moving in your life. Because you're relying on them instead of relying on him. I was just talking with Brett. We were talking about how in, in some people would be like, oh, man, I'm so, like, encouraged and, in, in, like, um, I don't know the right word, like in awe of your faith that it takes to do what you do in Africa. And I was like, I'm like, man, like it's true. Like, okay, yeah, there's components of it. I get where you're coming from. But actually, if I'm honest with all of you guys sitting right now, in America, 
decisions of faith and living by faith every day is so much harder than where I'm at. Why do I say that? Because you have to do it intentionally. I'm forced to, right? I wake up in the morning, I walk out, and there's like a two-meter snake, right? I'm, I'm not really. I'm just I'm being exaggerated. But, like, like, there's a lot of things in my walk of life that were, demand faith out of me, right? So in that sense, I can be a little bit lazy in my preparation because in the moment, I'm going to be forced to just believe it. Does that make sense? Whereas you can kind of coast through your life. You can wake up and... You know, you got a, there's a whole system and process for how you, your food's in a nice fridge for you. And like, right, like you don't have to really believe God for, for too much in your day-to-day walk. I'm not saying there's not things you're not believing for. I'm just saying you can coast, which means you have to choose every day to wake up and be intentional and apply your faith. So when you get a headache, what are you going to do? Just pop a bottle, right? Hey, listen, no, I love medicine. It is God's wisdom to man, Right? Not, I'm not here to knock medicine. But why? Why is it that when we get a headache, we don't stop and go, Lord, I just believe you right now. You're going to touch me. You're going to reveal yourself to me. You're going to give me a testimony to declare your goodness, God. Okay. Maybe, maybe we don't see it answered in that moment. And then you take an Excedrin or whatever. Okay, I, cool. You gave God a moment. Right? But in order for that to be something... You actually have to believe God is good. I'll tell you a quick story. We were, uh, I think I mentioned when we were doing the mission offering moment of how we have like 40 leaders that we work with now that are, you know, trained up, fully funded, meaning we, we pay a salary for them. We give them funds for ministry to go out and do whatever God has put on their heart to do. And uh, we were sitting having a meeting with the general public and a few of our leaders were there. And one of these guys, his name is Roman, he, he, he goes to give a story and he's like, um, He's like, you know, Brad, if um, I trust that you're good, and so if I came home and found you tearing down my house, I would not be upset. And because, a couple things. One, he, 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 he's seen how I live, so he, he thinks I'm a good person. But then he also assumes I just am, like, uber rich. It's hilarious. In, in Zambia, I'm, like, seen as, like, a rich dude. Here, I'm like, oh, you poor missionary. You can't even afford a McDonald's. You know, it's like so funny how you go from like these polar opposite realities. And uh, anyways, that's not the point of my story. But, um, but, but so, so the reason he wouldn't be mad if I was breaking his house down is because he knew I had the resource to fix it and rebuild a new one and that he trusted that I was good. So if I was doing it, it was for a reason, right? And obviously, hopefully you see where that's going, right? Where, where if we believe God is good, when something bad is happening, we should trust that something is coming. And then, I, and, then, and then that's where he stopped. But then my mind took it one more step further. I said, okay, Roman, what happens if the village drunk, though, is the one breaking your house down? Are you going to be excited? He's like, no, I'm going to be mad because I know he don't have any money. He can't fix my house. He can't build a bigger house. And I don't trust that he's good. He steals from people, right? Like, I don't trust that he's good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to react way differently. Ask yourself for a moment. When something happens, do you react as if God is good or do you react as if he's a village drunk? Just really just ask yourself that for a second. Like sometimes we treat God like he's a village drunk. Something bad happens and we get all bent out of shape. And all that reveals is that we're looking at him like he doesn't have the ability. He's not going to provide. He's not good. Right? 
And is there any judgment there? No, I'm not like, oh, you sinner, you see God. No, no, I'm not, that's not even about that. It reveals there is a level of love and understanding of God that you don't have right now. And you need to get on your knees and press in and believe God to reveal it to you by faith. Right? The Bible says, be transformed, Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your... That's the battlefield. I had somebody tell me, you, the battlefield is an eight-inch battlefield from year to year. Maybe for some of you it's a little bigger. Maybe some of a little smaller. <laughs> what God did for you, or if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you're sitting in this room right now and Jesus is not your Lord right now. And remember, Lord is, we, we have a struggle in the West. Uh, real quick background story. I had a friend come over from America to Zambia. And just so you guys know, in Zambia, they have chiefs and tribal leaders who are their kings. We don't understand king in America. We, it's we the people, right? And I love it. It's, shit, it's great. It's a very beautiful system. But most of the world, and historically, especially biblically, that's not how it was. It was there's a king, and you got to do what the king says to do. There's no you agree or disagree. Who are you? <laughs> you want to get beheaded? Keep talking. Like, like that's how it was. Again, I'm not trying to glorify this, but it's good. I'm just saying that was how it was, right? right? So now when we say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is king, in the West, we kind of struggle with that a little bit. So this guy comes over from America, and he's like, hey, brother, I want to I teach your team, your, your leaders, about the lordship of Christ. And I kind of like, all right, man, yeah, cool, like chuckled, because I'm like, dude, what do you know? These guys grew up under lordship. They know what it's like to have a king. When, when the chief comes in, they're all on the ground. When, when's the last time you got on the ground when a, when a leader came in a room? What do you know about lordship? You know, I was like, and I, again, all out of like, I'm not going to be mean. I was like, I was just laughing on the inside, like, dude, okay, yeah. And it was cool. The guys were encouraged, and it was amazing. But you need to make Jesus Lord. Yes, he's your friend. Yes, he's your father. But is he your Lord? And if he's not, he should be. And not because you're bad if you're not, but because you're missing out on everything God has for you. Surrender and submission is where you want to be. Freedom is a lie. The Bible says your life is not your own. It was bought with a price, and that's the way you want it. I don't, I want to be, imagine for a second. Let's say you're cold, right? And there's a fire. Out of time, okay. <laughs> Let's say you're cold and there's a fire. Do you get mad at the fire that you're forced? If you want to get warm, you have to come close to the fire. Do you get mad at the fire like, oh, how self-centered of you to make me have to come near to get warm? That's a little egocentric, isn't it? You're <laughs> that's, but that's our thinking. That's how people think. <laughs> and it's so backwards. It's, God is the epicenter of everything good. Everything love. Anything that is worthy of anything. It is God. He is the essence of it. I want to be shackled to that. Please, please, please. I beg of you, God, have me shackled to that. Never let me go another day without being tied to that. Do we, like, like, there has to be a change. There has to be a change. Our world is not going in an upright direction. And I don't blame the world. I blame the church. I blame me. 
I blame us. I don't expect the world to live for Jesus, but I expect you sit in this room too because he's paid for it. You are so, listen, you, your, well, how is the value of something decided? Hey, let's, say, let's say Brett, does everybody know Brett? All right, everybody knows Brett. <laughs> let's say Brett is selling um, his shoes, right? And he says, I want to sell these shoes for $500. Does that, is that how much they are? How do you know the value of something? It, the value of something is set by the one who buys it, not by the one who sells it. Because it's only that value if somebody decides to buy it. You can say it's worth that much, and it'll just sit on a shelf forever and never get sold. It wasn't really worth that because nobody bought it. Right? So now, get this for a second. You might be wondering about your value. How valuable are you? Well, God, God set your value when he purchased you for himself with his blood. That's your value. That is how valuable you are. You are not allowed to see yourself as anything less than the blood of Jesus. God looked at you and said, you are worthy of me to sacrifice my son for you to live a new life. You are worthy of it. Not because of you, but because of the value I as God set for you. And he has something for you in that place. You are not just some other person in society that's just high buying your time until you go to heaven. You have something very supernatural to give to this world. God has made you uniquely for his purposes. I don't know what that's going to be. Not everybody's going to stand up here and preach. I mean, listen, I believe some of you are. I believe there's a couple, at least a couple people that are going to be preaching. <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> we were talking about Mike Mike-isms. And I was, come, that's the one I was, but come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows what you're called to? You're, maybe you're called to compassion ministry, helping people. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's some people in this room that are prophetic and they don't even know it. They got a prophetic gifting upon their life and they don't even know it. You have something, teacher, evangelist, something. You are equipped for something. And if you don't know what it is, I promise you, you got leaders in this church that are willing to help you find out. But you got to take a step. You gotta take a step and stop devaluing the work of Jesus. Well, I'm just not that religious, brother. Well, he is. And he's supposed to live on the inside of you. Hallelujah. If you would have asked me 10 years ago if I was gonna be a preacher, like stand up in front of people and preach freely, energetically, passionately, I'd be like, dude. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> what side of town are you from? <laughs> did I see you last week at the bar or what? I think I did. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just, guys, I just, um, my heart burns for the Church of America. You know, I, 2018, kind of launched to Zambia. We got this, what we're doing going on. And, and that time, and that season, I'll be really honest with you, I wasn't, I wasn't like, mad at the western church or anything or like the but I my heart was so set on Zambia I had no 
capacity for the Western church. But as time's gone on, that's starting to change in me. And when I come home, man, my heart starts to burn for America. And as much as I want you to know about Zambia, and I mean, man, we, need, we need money to do what we do, like, oh my gosh, please, yeah, so in support. But I could care less if you give one penny if you're not living for Jesus. Don't give me a penny if you're not living for Jesus. I don't mean that, whatever. If you want to give a penny, you're not living, that's fine, I don't care. But I'm just saying, like, I would, if I could choose this or that, I would take that. Right? Because America, did you, do you know how much America, like, blesses the world? Like, there's a lot of things that we do not bless the world with. But, man, America is a giving country. They give radically when you compare it to other nations around the world. Radically. And so me as a missionary, and I'm like, okay, I'm looking at the missionary work that we have to do and a lot of other missions that are just amazing, and it takes finance. So I'm obviously thinking, natural for me, if America is on fire for Jesus, it obviously naturally means that that is going to become a covering for the world. Right? Like a natural response. Like not only is it going to bless America, but it's going to bless well beyond America. But we need to realize that you're, you're more than just a pocketbook. I promise you, Pastor Mike loves giving messages and offerings. I promise you, you are so valuable to the Coling family and to Hope City Church. So far beyond how much you give. So far beyond that. Because they know the heart of God. They know God's intention for your life. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. I don't even need your money. Because why? Because you're not my supply. He's my supply. So then, and then, the, I don't know why I'm getting to a preaching message, but, but then what happens is you start to see who God has called into fellowship with you towards something. Does that make sense? Like, I know he's going to do. It's just fun to see what type of people are going to be a part of it. Does that make sense? And that's the whole kingdom. God is constantly inviting you into something. He doesn't want to do it alone. He could. He could do it all alone. He doesn't need any one of us. He could show up supernaturally to every single person on the whole earth, reveal Jesus in all of his glory, just like Saul. They drop blind scales on their eyes. He could save everybody just like that if he wanted to. But he actually desires that we fellowship with him. He is a God of community and love and of embrace of everybody. There's, there's a scripture that says in Ephesians, it says that he, uh, Paul says, I kneel before the Father who every family in heaven and on earth derive its name. Every, every single family on the whole face of the earth derive its identity from Jesus. And his desire is to call you into something with him. How beautiful is that? He gives you the chance to be a part of something. And it's because he loves you. Every day he wakes up full of love for you. I remember, as, as Alec reminds me to, to, to reel it in, um, the, 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 the first service I went to, and I, I was an atheist, and I went to a Sunday service. I'm not going to get into the story, we don't have time, but I ended up in Sunday service, and the pastor was teaching on the story of the prodigal son. And I remember when the love of the father hit me. When the love of the father came over me and started to break this heart of stone 
and soften it. And as one of my really good friends say, make it soft and squishy. <laughs> it changed me. It changed me. And I know he wants to do that here this morning. Whether your heart is already pretty soft and squishy, he just wants to fill it a little more. Or maybe your heart isn't so soft and squishy and you've let the lies of your experience dictate how you're gonna receive God's love. He's here this morning. He's here this morning. And so what does that look like for you, right? So that looks like a couple things. One, it can look like some repentance. It can look like some repentance. God, there's something in my life that I know is not meant to be there. And I've been living and believing something that's not true. Today's the day. There's a Bible verse that says, today is the day of your visitation. By faith, you could choose to walk in that. Today can be your day of visitation. You can repent. You can give it up. Walk away from it. You don't have to be a brand new believer to repent of something. You got really amazing people full of the Spirit of God that just have been hiding something from God. Now's the moment. Maybe, maybe something stirred you this morning where you're like, man, I know God's called me to something and I just want to be available to him. This is also your morning. We're just going to believe the love of God's going to come over you and fill you and give you wisdom and understanding. Help you see everything that he put inside of you. The Bible says that you have, and again, this is if you've made Jesus your Lord and your Savior. If that's true, then you have everything you need for life and godliness. You lack no good thing. I just believe wisdom and understanding is to start coming over this congregation. Can the can the prayer team can the prayer team come up? Whoever's on the, I don't actually know who's on the prayer team. You don't have to come up. Um, you're free to stay in your seats. You know, there's no there's no uh, pressure to come up. You know, but I will say, you know, a lot of things that we do in the Christian faith are a sign. You know, even like baptism, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a sign. It's something that you can, you can, your life can be marked by. This morning, you can have a moment where your life can be marked by something. Where you can say, that was the day I went up to the front and I chose to give something over to God and it was done. Today could be the day. And if that's you, I encourage you. I encourage you. I encourage you to come up. Come before the altar by faith. Let our team pray for you and believe with you for breakthrough, whether it's something that you want to let go of or something you want to step into. I just... <laughs> I just want us all to be full of Jesus. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's not complicated. It's just surrender. Walk up, surrender to Jesus. Have your way more of you, less of me.